My kid came home, threw his backpack on the ground, and went downstairs immediately, turned the TV on, started playing that fork knife game. Y'all know about that fork knife? Well, that's the table network version of Fortnite. <laughs> I heard when you order that, you get a handkerchief and a fork and a knife. sitting here for quite a while trying to figure out how we're going to intro this podcast and this is a pretty normal thing that we do we hop on we say hello give a quick update about our day we make fun of each other for a good 10 minutes nah, um, it's like it's like five now we got it down to five yep but then we usually are like okay how are we going to kick how are we going to kick things off and then we're usually trying to find something like you know funny we you, a lot of times we don't have it doesn't take us long to come up with with something. This is usually the easiest part of the podcast. But today we've just been having a really, really hard time. So topics that we've been discussing are um, we've been doing bits from our favorite comedians. We've <laughs> been talking about, yeah, so we've been going through a few of those, having some laughs. What else did we talk about? Prayer handkerchiefs. We talked about how to pronounce the word handkerchief. We still yes. don't know how to pronounce the word handkerchief. I'm pretty sure it's a it's a handkerchief. Handkerchief? Handkerchief. <laughs> I mean, I'm going to throw a yellow just... flag on that. I'm throwing a yellow flag. If you went anywhere in America and you were like, hey, man, let me get that handkerchief. Everybody would know what you were referring to. A handkerchief? <laughs> well, how would they think about it? <laughs> like, imagine, excuse me, sir, but... um. I seem to have spilled something on my shirt and I don't happen to have my handkerchief upon me. Can I borrow yours? That guy would just look at you oddly, even though he had one in his pocket and move on. But if you would have said, Hey dude, can I borrow your handkerchief immediately? Oh yeah, brother. Here you go. I think the key is to just blend them all together, but not me. I'm like handkerchief. (laughs) Handkerchief. What did you just call me? Yeah. So we talked for like 15 minutes about how to pronounce handkerchief. In which case we seem to still be going on this one. Uh, We talked about receiving prayer mail. Yeah. Ryan got a basically a fake napkin on a piece of paper. (laughs) A fake fake handkerchief, if you will. There you go. Mm-hmm. Sorry, I called it a napkin. What <laughs> <laughs> if it was just like McDonald's napkin? Did you just have a bunch left over? Calling you to write down your prayer request and send it in along with your donation. Guaranteed that God see money. Right? In this holy McDonald's napkin. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's been a long time since I've received anything like that in the mail. So... And then I was saying that I once got one that was like a rug. 
but it wasn't a rug. It was just an eight and a half by 11 sheet of paper with a rug printed on it. And it had Jesus' face like in a very like opaque, blurry kind of way, you know, but it was there. You could definitely tell like Jesus. On the rug? It was all up in the rug. The rug that was a piece of paper. Hmm. (laughs) It was just a picture of a rug. You know, we could do just as a table network, we could do pieces of paper in the shape of grilled cheese sandwiches. (laughs) That's Jesus's face on them. <laughs> Send them out for to receive donations by. Just just thinking out loud. You know, this is good. Top. I think you're on to something. Let's explore this a little bit. <laughs> I'm just thinking of like a full marketing, you know, campaign. I'm thinking different levels of fundraising, right? Like if you give this much money, you're part of the like American level. You give this much, you're a provolone. <laughs> you give this much, you're just an extra sharp cheddar. I and if you give like an extraordinary amount, you're talking Swiss bank status. Oh yeah. You know, sure. like Swiss cheese. Come on. Yeah. Some Gouda. Yeah. Yep. We just yeah, keep yeah. going. There's probably something in that, but, but then again, probably, probably not. <laughs> How was your St. Patrick's day, by the way? It was good, man. We had some killer corned beef, cabbage, potatoes, carrots, really worked on that recipe, man. I ain't going to lie. I ate it that day. I ate it that night. I got up and ate it for breakfast the next day, ate it for lunch the next day. <laughs> That's <laughs> awesome. The next day. Um, I was gnawing on a giant piece of fat from the end of the corned beef just yeah. to have more flavor when I ran out. Ugh, so good, so, man. It was good. Yeah, I saw your pics on Instagram. It looked really, really good. We made 13 pounds of corned beef um, for our party. And Pam slow, uh, slow roasts it, mm. slow cooks it um in guinness and we had a bunch of neighbors over a bunch of people from our community different people like their friends and stuff we just got everybody in in one spot at our house to celebrate saint patty's day we had some sexton irish whiskey we got some jameson it's not the best but i don't know i kind of it's like nostalgic for me like i feel like i just kind of gotta have that had some guinness had some other stuff and just packed the house out um and dude we polished every bit of that 13 pounds of corned beef gone. So I wasn't oh. even able to like sh- enjoy it for multiple meals, which normally we do. Mm-hmm. I so, think, uh, I think there might be a cause to, to make a little additional corned beef, man. While maybe. I'm there, we'll hit the grocery store. So speaking of all these good things, all these good things that we're talking about and just the enjoyment of them and the getting together in and around them, and even sharing them with other people. Um, to me, that's a really cool segue into our conversation today. Yeah. We've mm-hmm. definitely been in this journey of taking a pretty cool look at the, the life and work of Jesus, all that he has done and declared who we are in him now. We've definitely pressed in on just what it means to, to rest in the freedom that's found in this finished work of Jesus. Right. It's been a pretty neat conversation for us the last few episodes, getting a lot of great feedback from our listeners on that, people just finding it helpful especially right and it's just the day and age of and get it together perform better do better try harder or you or you don't count um it's so good to hear like the god that's actually created us in life saying um i as the creator of you and all that 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 you're longing for yeah it i've actually got a much better plan than what it is that you're pursuing and so we just find joy in that and we've been hitting you know hitting on that 
But now we're moving into this to this next conversation in, in this reclaim journey that we that we often talk about a training that we have, and which starts to unpack. Okay, it's one thing to rest in the finished work of Jesus, but but man, how do you go walk in this? How do you go yeah. walk in the grace that God's given you in a way that uh, that hopefully just brings just joy, you know joy and peace to your life? Versus you know kind of running off into the sunset in the opposite direction and, and things may be going poorly. And whenever that conversation starts to come up, like all these just religious tendencies that we have, right, they, they surface and they, they really start to, to grab hold of us like a clamp. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, all the thoughts and feelings that we might have in regards to this conversation. So that's what we're digging into. What's it look like to walk in the grace of Jesus? What's it look like to literally walk with a God that made you and loves you and holds the very life that you have. Yeah. Yeah, no, I think, it, and it's a difference between um, how most people live with fearful angst and a plan of action, right? To get out of, right? That angst or um, change their, their, their plight, their, their position in life. Because here's the deal, like people really wrestle with their ideal self, right? Compared to their actual self. And we live mm. right in the tension of, of the gaps. And I'm not just talking about like religion or the Christian life. I'm saying people in general, right? Because yeah. that's one thing that we do need to talk about as part of this conversation is what we often say, you have capital L law, right? Which is like that bigger conversation. Usually that's kind of confined to, you know, the Christian life, right? It's kind of that, that bubble, that vacuum. But there's also like, we just see this throughout the world, man, and in everybody. So people have like their ideal self, who they want to be, right? Or what culture around them is telling them that they need to be, or even the ideal self we see, um, like when, when we look at the law as like that, that, that picture of humanity at its best, that's our ideal self, right? The one who's not yeah. stealing, not lying, like loving neighbor, loving God, not coveting, all that. Like that, that's, yeah, man, I want to, I want to be that. But here I am down here and, and like dealing with my actual self and the gaps are massive, right? It's another way of saying, I just fall short. I fall yeah. short of the glory of God. I fall short of the model on this uh, commercial that's telling me to, to, to sign up for, you know, my first <laughs> like, month free at the, the local gym. My car falls short of this Audi commercial, uh, which, by the way, if anyone works for Audi and is listening to this, please sponsor the Slowdown podcast. Right? We just, we, yeah. we just we fall short. And that leads to this, like, an approach to life that's angst right? This fear and dread over something that, that is an action out of that to try to try to fix and get myself out of that hole. And, and what we're saying is in, by looking at Jesus and in his finished work, it's not really a life of fearful angst and action, but one more of peace and patience because we get to walk in not only the fact that he's already provided harmony. We don't need to work for harmony. He's provided it. Um, and we get to just patiently wait on him to bear fruit as a good vine dresser and a vine going back to our John 15 conversation. Yeah, no, that's good. I love the, I love the, the distinction there that you made that, that there's, there's definitely this gap between uh, a desired self and our actual self. And I love just, 
you know, seeing that even in the scriptures, right? It's something that we talk about in Reclaim 5. It's just in, in Romans, it makes it pretty plain that the law of God, this, and when we talk about the law, again, we're talking about the, all, the, all the things that God has declared that are good and right, you know, the things that he's called us to go, to go live in where harmony is found. Yeah. And of course, all the things that he said, hey, the, by the way, uh, I, I, as a creator of you and all that is, I also know what's not good and right and where harmony won't be found. Right. And so in the law, basically what we see in the scriptures is that, that God in, in making us, one, put it on our hearts and minds. And so as you were saying, Tony, and, and I just want to make sure that this point's just really clear because it's so good that, that that law, that picture of what is good and what is not, what is right, what is wrong, where harmony is, where it won't be, that thing is, is, is not just something that exists in religion or in Christianity. It's something that exists on the hearts of all human beings. From the beginning, God wrote it on our hearts, Romans says. Right. And so we all have this, this very clear understanding within us, this conviction, you could say, right, of what these things are and what they're not. And so we, we have this, in, this innate picture within us that tells us where a lot of these things are. And, of course, we feel the gap in between them. And so I love that you're kind of showing the, the angle there of that if you misunderstand this, you could really easily start to, to take something that's really good news, like this life that God has provided us to live in his son, and you can turn it into something that just continually breeds angst and the call for action. And in the failed action, more angst. And when, with yeah. angst, get, you know, right, build up more action. And then with the failed action, now you have more angst. And it's just this repetitive cycle crushing you. And it's just so opposite of, of the life of peace and patience mm -hmm. that God's actually brought us into. And I just think that's just a good point to note because I think for a lot of people listening in on this, ourselves included, we hear a lot about the grace of God that set us free. It's made us whole, but then always immediately comes in this thing from our own spirits, right? Of what do I do then with all the things that are good? What do I do with all the things that, that God says aren't good? What do I do with all the do's and the don'ts? I got to do something with these things. And I think that's kind of where the, where the tension constantly surfaces, even though we've grabbed onto, okay, the law's good. It's from God. It's on the heart. He went as far as like actually writing it down for us so that it would just help us, you know, see these things. What do I do with it though? Yeah. And I think a lot of that angst and, and action, that cycle, that never ending cycle that offers no peace, that offers no harmony at all, because it's really up to you and your performance and your religious scorecard at the end of, at the, end of the day. Um, I think it's just rooted in a misunderstanding of, of the law. And we see as like the story of the scriptures unfold, there's almost kind of like this like final word right? That's kind of the, like the, that, that final understanding and definition of, of the law. We talked about harmony, but there's also this like motif for this idea of, of death, hmm. right? Because while the law is good, right? It, it, it like, it, it's, it comes from the, the heart of God. Like it's, it's a picture of perfection and it certainly demands pervasive perfection, Right. right? The law is, is good. Even Jesus said, I, I didn't come to like abolish the law. The law is good. Paul says the law is good. The problem, the problem is, is we're not. Yeah. We're not good. And there's something that the law is trying to tell us. There's something that 
that innate sense in us, right, of, of right and wrong, and also that, that constant reminder of our, um, our inability to, to get it right, our inability to, to measure up not only to God's opinion and expectation of me that's clearly laid out, but maybe even my mother-in-law's expectation of me, you know what I'm saying? Or, or <laughs> yeah. my, my neighbor's expectation of what my yard should look like, right? Um, or how my kids should behave. And there's this, this thing that the law is doing in us. It's trying to move us to look outside of ourselves and onto somewhere else, someone else specifically. And it's trying to show us our, our death. So I yeah. think it would be good for us to just press in, man, on, on the, one of the functions of the law as to drive us to our death and then a life of faith, hope, and love that ensues from there. Yeah, so, so what, you're, what you're showing here, and I would agree with you, is, is it's one thing to realize that, yes, within this picture of what God has put on our hearts and minds and what he's also written down for us, you know, is, is, a, is a clear understanding of what real harmony is and looks like with God and with others. And naturally, if you walked in these things, there's a beautiful witness that's made known to anyone and everyone around us. But as what you're sharing right now, this law also, which we've spoke to before in the, on the, some previous episodes, drives us to the reality of our death, right? Mm-hmm. And so when we're grabbing onto what do I do now? as I follow God with all the do's and don'ts, what do I go do with all these things that he's declared are good for me to walk in and things that aren't. And what you're saying is, well, the first thing you need to understand is all those things that he's declared that are, that are good or that aren't good. Those things he wrote down as Galatians said to add to our transgression. Yeah. Or as Paul said in second Corinthians to drive us to the reality of our death. Literally he calls it the ministry of death. Yeah, Second Corinthians three seven and nine, the ministry so, of death and ministry of condemnation. So if you are, so if you, me, or anyone listening in on this is is grabbing onto the things that God's declared are good, and and we're taking this law and we're trying to go and create life out of it, or find life out of it, or go do all these things to obtain a better life out of it, it's going to let us down quickly because those things were written down and given and shown to us to drive us to our death. Right. In other words, you're not going to find life in the ministry of death. Right. So why is it that you keep going back to all the things that you need to do and not do? Yeah. As if if this alone is the Christian life or as if how well you do in this is going to determine who God is or how, what he's done or how much he loves you or what he will or won't do in and through your life. Yeah. Yeah, it, it reminds me of something, something else Paul said in 2 Corinthians 3, where he says the ministry of the letter or the law, um, it kills. Even though it came with glory, like when Moses got it, like it was so beautiful, they had to stick him in a tent because they couldn't even look at his face, yeah. right? Because like just this tail end of God and his glory and this interaction with him as, as, as God gives Moses a picture of this, this harmony, this this humanity at its best and, and God's expectation. They stick him in a tent and he says, even the ministry of condemnation came with glory. How much more the ministry of a new covenant, a new promise, a new, new terms for the relationship, yeah. right? Which is not performance. It's not merit demerit. It's not 
just get out your spiritual report card. It's actually, I come down to you and in my son who takes on flesh, right? Lives the life we just, we couldn't. All this, mm. all this angst and all this action, this, this wrestling, this life of trying to measure up. Well, actually God entered our world and, and there was no angst and there was no action because he did it. He actually submitted to the law and fulfilled it. He lived the life that we couldn't. And when he dies, when he goes to the cross, he doesn't go for like his sin. It's right. actually in our place he on his shoulders and in his body he bears the full weight of right all of our law breaking all of our not measuring up all of our omission commission and all the like theological terms you want to throw at that but literally dies right mm-hmm. and he rises right and that is to say like he wins sin doesn't right like he he accomplished right. it it is it is finished. And so Paul says the letter kills, but the spirit, which is the, you know, j- just the, 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 the person, this God that brings this new, this new covenant, this new promise, the new terms of this condition, it's based on harmony comes from a finished work of someone else. I look outside of myself and embrace that one by faith. His righteousness is now credited as mine. God looks at me as if I'm his son. Colossians 3 says that I'm, I'm, I'm lost, I'm, I'm buried, I'm hidden. It's almost like, think about the biggest book you have on your bookshelf, right? Take a small little bookmark, and let's say that that's you. Just open it to a random page, throw it in there, and shut that book. Like that book swallows that bookmark up, and you can't see it. If you know it's in there somewhere, you know, in a sense, it matters right? But that bookmark is swallowed up in this massive volume. Our lives are nothing but a bookmark. The biggest thing that we have going on is that God left heaven, came down and did what we couldn't do in his son. And he has literally swallowed up our sin, dropped it down the black hole of his death, raised it up again into newness of life. And we're now, we now find ourselves in him safe and secure. Harmony is not something that we work towards. Harmony is not something that we, we earn. It is something that's been earned on our behalf in his son. And so the letter kills, but the spirit brings life. Jesus brings life. And I think that we're content to agree to that Yeah. when it comes to our salvation. But when it comes to the realm of like walking, we think that it's something different. Right. We think that we think it's just we think it's different. It's almost like we concede and say, okay, cool. Yeah. Like you, you, you punched our ticket right to the on the glory train to heaven by and by and reserved me a spot there. Now, let me get back to angst and action. Let me get back to finding the strength in and of myself to kind of, you know, make myself better and, and just live according to these, these principles and these expectations. But what we're finding in the scriptures, specifically in Galatians, continuing the conversation that we had there, is Paul's like, stop. Like, stop. You're, you're, you're trying to be perfected by the flesh. Yeah. Right. And he gives us a new vision for how to walk as disciples in Galatians five, five to six. Do you mind if I I read that real quick? Yeah. Yeah, man. So in Galatians five, five to six, we, and we dove into this last, 
uh, podcast, but it kicks off that, you know, in five, one for freedom, Christ has set us free. Don't stand there for, right. Don't, don't, don't stand firm therefore, and don't submit again to a yoke of, of slavery. Don't, don't rush back into law. Don't rush back into angst and action. So we're free. Harmony is ours. But in five, five to six, he says, okay, cool. Like you, you guys, you want fruit. You want this kind of like practical, the practical ways in which, right. There's this witness, right. Love, love for God and love for, for brother. And Paul says, here's how you walk. Here's how you approach that. Five, five and six, it says, says this for through the spirit by faith, we ourselves eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness. That's that practical righteousness that they were chasing, right? That, that yeah. fruit, that fruit that he's going to describe later on in chapter five, the fruit of the spirit for we ourselves eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness for in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision, rule, rule keeping or rule breaking, religion or irreligion doesn't count for anything, but only faith working through love. And so here Paul gives us a vision that it's not a life of knowledge, law, and performance. It's not a life of angst and action. It's actually a life of knowing that harmony comes through one person. His name is Jesus. We have that. We've been set free. And he's given us a life of waiting, watching, and walking in his spirit. And that is the complete opposite of what we often think of in terms of just the Christian life, right? When we think about who God is and how he operates, especially when you start to factor in just so many of the other facets of other religions in the world. We're so prone to think of this conditional promise-oriented God. Yeah. That if you do A, he'll do B, right? And if you don't do A, then he's going to do B. And we get that. We live in this world of if you work hard in school, you get good grades. If you work hard at work, you get a promotion. If you do all these disciplines with your children, hopefully they turn out good. And we start to attach that, right, to who he is and how he operates. And so we grab the law and we go, hey, I'm going to use this, this, this list of do's and don'ts. Now that I've been set free in him and I, and I said I believe in him, well, now I need to take this list of do's and don'ts. And I need to use them as a means to measure where I'm at in life, to, to map out a way forward and all the things that should be. And then I got to figure out how to just really hone in on how to manage that as I go. And of course, you know, we you know, I often say that it's probably a good reason as to why we constantly are running for more and more information and inspiration and this idea of accountability groups and things like this. But as you're saying in Galatians, Paul paints a very different picture because mm-hmm. of the one who's already brought the harmony. That, that the harmony we're looking for is found in someone in whom we dwell. That's done. Yeah. You know, we talked a little bit about this in our last episode. I just want to bring this up where we talked about grace and is it opposed to effort? Well, it is opposed um, to some effort for sure. Because as you were just reading, for all of your working hard to keep the law, right? Circumcision or uncircumcision, Paul says, is of no value. So grace is opposed to some effort, especially when that effort is you working hard to do things yeah. and thinking that, A, it makes you holy, or, or if you don't, then now you're unholy, or it, right. it makes you um, welcomed or not welcomed to the table, right? It, it certainly was not. the case in the Galatians. You know, yeah, like, that's, that's, it's bottom line what they had turned it into. And I think the thing that we're, that we're forgetting, when I love that we're building the case for here and the fact of what Jesus has done is 
the conversation starts to all of a sudden you realize that the conversation's almost irrelevant. Why are we talking about is, is grace opposed to effort? The bottom line is what, what's so amazing about God's grace and what he's done is grace doesn't need effort. It doesn't need our effort. It needs Ever. nothing from us. And <laughs> that's the whole and point. That's, that's the point. <laughs> Right To say that grace needs our effort is to say that grace isn't sufficient. And God himself, when Paul was like, hey, I do the things that I, that I know not to do, and I'm not doing the things that I know to do, and I'm just really wrestling with this. And the Lord himself says to Paul, my grace is sufficient. What you're going through right now has no bearing upon who you are or where you stand in me. I've, done, I've taken care of that. You're a lost bookmark right, in the book of my son. And what you're going through right now, there's a reason for it. And there's something that I'm going to bear in and through you. And there's something that's going to happen in and through you in this. But all that's happening isn't going to make you holy or unholy. That's a, it's a different type of work. And you're making it about this, this means of acceptance or not acceptance. And I think what happens is we take the conversation of salvation and we push it over to the side and we go, no, 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 this is all about sanctification now. As if it's something separate. Sanctification yeah. is just like another word to, to help you grab onto life in Jesus. Yeah. So like justification, purification, all these theological terms that we throw out there, they're all just different sides of the same coin. Yeah. Showing that you stand whole in Jesus. And so I think just kind of honing in on that and knowing that, seeing that is where we are right now. Yeah. That, that the law is a beautiful picture of harmony. And yes, there is a witness that's made known as we walk in these good things. And we do want to walk in these good things. And God hasn't removed them because they're good. Yeah. But, but the letter of the law was given to drive you to your death. It because kills. what you need is a savior, not a guide. So and Paul that's, says. That's what he's getting at here. Yeah. So Paul and, says this effort, right? That you this effort that you're, you're, you're aiming towards being perfected in the flesh. I think he gives them a new vision. Okay, cool. You want to, you, let's aim this effort, right? This, what you're trusting in, what you're, what you're, what you're moving towards, what you're, what you're aiming at, aim it independence, joyful dependence on my spirit and to wait on him in prayer, right? To watch for where he works, right? And then to walk in the good things that he's doing. But this, this aim, he's redirecting the aim for them, right? He's right. redirecting their, their, their efforts, so to speak. And he's saying, okay, cool. Go this way. Trust in him. And that's where we always say that the Christian life is really one of joyful dependence, not just for our salvation, but for all of life. All and it's of it. so easy for us to just think that it just belongs to salvation alone, this dependence, this looking outside of ourselves. And Paul says, no, man, you don't get it. The spirit bears fruit. You walk in it. You don't produce it. It's still a life of dependence through and through. Yeah, that's why Paul there in that verse that you read out of Galatians, you know, he says, uh, and after he talks about like this, the law keeping or law breaking, right? The words he uses for uncircumcision or circumcision counts for nothing, but only that which proceeds from right, faith through love. And I love that because right there out of the gate, you have this picture of faith and love. Both would be a work, a fruit, you could say, of someone else. Hmm. Because nothing in our flesh can produce true faith nor love. 
Yep. That's what the whole story that we told a few episodes back, really unpacking John 15, where Jesus makes it exceedingly clear about who the gardener is, who the vine is, and who the branch is. And man, there's so much joy in that and so much opportunity to, to just let out that sigh of relief, find some rest in the goodness of God, know that you stand whole in him right now, know that he's going to work things in out, you know, through your life, know that you're going to get to walk in these things and he's, he's going to bear this as you go and what that journey looks like, what that entails, some of the practical implications of that is where we'll go in our next episode. Yep. So thanks for tuning in with us. Yeah, it's, it's a fantastic conversation and so life-giving, not just for you, but for any person in and around you. So until then, grace and peace from the Slowdown Podcast. See you guys.